For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, was an Arizona toddler killed by his mother in a Texas motel room? Or was he given away in a secret adoption and is alive today? We'll review the Peacock series, Where is Baby Gabriel? Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, love of my life, and favorite nurse, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Rebecca. How you feeling? (coughs) You coughed on cue. (coughs) I didn't mean to. I am feeling uh, 20% better today, which is huge, uh, because as you know, this has been a terrible week. Mm -hmm, Yeah. So thank you very much for asking. You sounded just like this on last week's show. Well, yeah. this was a very different kind of week. I'll talk about it in a second. Because also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And yeah, Piper Green. Like, I, I haven't been working on book three, but I did a library talk with my target demographic, which is retired ladies who love cozy <laughs> mysteries. Yeah. And um, they like want a book before they die. So I guess oh. I have to get back to By writing. Way, that's also Kevin's target demographic. Literally, every time we go to like some restaurant, there's always retired ladies who like recognize him from when he was on TV. (laughs) That is legit your target demographic. Well, so long ago, young people know me. (laughs) Did they recognize you from your your report from the old man in the mountain fell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aren't you on New Hampshire Chronicle, young man? They come up and they say, you know, I loved your work, Andy. <laughs> this is not I loved your work Fritz. Fritz yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be sad. And finally, our resident doubting Thomas, the author of our City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, and UFO believer. Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Where are the bodies hidden, Toby? Where are the alien bodies? Uh, in people's imaginations, I'm Are they afraid. in Yucca Mountain, Toby? Are they in Yucca Mountain? Yucca Mountain. That's where we dump the nuclear waste. Why and we hide the there? bodies. <laughs> yeah. That's why, because it's going to disintegrate them, Toby. Oh, yes. Well. Yucca Mountain is like important spot for certain indigenous people. Yes, so we I decide know. to yeah. put nuclear waste as we do as we do and so there's probably that's where the alien bodies are as well i'm thinking it could be you know who's to know i would just say (laughs) not for nothing but i thought the x-files was a great show till the end till it jumped the shark toby i'm so jealous you got to talk to chris carter yeah everybody knows is the creator of the x-files and so man I even liked it when they um cast what's his face after david duchovny left robert patrick yeah i love robert patrick i did Sorry, I did. I liked well, no, I, he's fine. You know, he's cousin Oliver of the X Files. <laughs> he's fine. I mean, I didn't hate him. I didn't hate him. Yeah, like, Annabeth Gish. No, I didn't like her. No. Uh, All right, so Kevin, this is obviously a brand new shiny episode of Crime. It Writers is. On. It has that new show smell. So, what is coming up on the coming episodes of Crime Writers on? So on Thursday, we've got a, a 
Crime Writers on Classic, we're going to be going back to our first review of Missing Richard Simmons. Wow. Oh, wow. That was a real controversial one. Yeah, and uh, if you listen to last week's after show, you know how Toby Ball, how he came down on uh, that episode. We all remember how Toby Ball yeah. came down on that one. That was famous. Then, then on Monday, we're going to be looking at the uh, new series from Max. It's called Last Call. Uh-oh. And it's uh, based on the same case as Elon uh, Green's book, Last Call. I believe it's based on Elon Green's book, Last Call. Well, I hope that he's involved in it because they ripped off both the title and the crime. So So he's got to be involved. Yeah. If we hate it, Elon... We're still friends. I'm just saying right now, that is the thing that I always tell people. You have no choice. If we hate the show based on your book, we still have to be friends. That's a thing. Having been there, I know you have no fucking control over what they do on TV. They're like, oh, thank you for doing all this work. (laughs) We love to work on the deep dive. You you heard me ask ask Matt Cher on this very show. If we ever hate one of your shows, are we still going to be cool? And he said, yes. That is a rule. It is a rule. Yeah. Okay. Can I, can I just say something briefly about COVID-19 before we start the show? Sure do. Yeah. I know it feels like the pandemic is over for many people. It is not. There's a new wave happening right now, and I just fell victim to it. Never had COVID this entire time until just now. And I had it, and then I didn't have it, and then I had it again. Apparently, it was the same case of COVID, by the way. Rebound is just the same case. Mm. So I had it and had it again. And then after I had it again, when I was clear of it, I had five days of complete and abject misery. And I just want to tell everyone out there, if anyone you know and love says they're exhausted and have brain fog, believe them. It is true. It is a phenomenon. I was asleep for seven hours a day for five days and couldn't read, couldn't watch TV, couldn't drive, couldn't think, couldn't talk or do anything. And my poor husband had to live our whole life for us. And I would just like to thank you publicly right now, Kevin, for doing that. Thank you. What? (laughs) <laughs> thank so you don't oh, you're don't substitute saline solution for your covid pills don't do that yeah. don't do that and if people say they have brain I didn't fog, believe her pain toby that yeah was i i still have the brain fog in a big big way and i never really understood what that expression meant but it is real and uh believe people when they say they have it because yeah. it is real it's like living life as a man it's like living life as a toddler I cried many, many times. I still don't remember. I had the word recall thing is still, it's real. It's terrible. Okay. Speaking of. Have you been of, doing Wordle during this? Has it affected your Wordle? <laughs> Has it affected your Wordle? <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> the only game I can do is that new stupid uh, New York Times one that's so easy. Spelling Bee? It's called Connections. Connections. It's so stupid and easy. That was the only game that I tried to do during the brain You can do the mini, the mini crossword. It's. Maybe, but the connections game is so stupid and easy. It is so easy that like literally a child could do it. So I was able to do that. This is why you got to do like your kids video games when you're feeling like this. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't do any of that stuff. You might excel at Mario. The only kind of TV I was able to watch successfully were my soap operas because I was watching the young and the restless the other day and a character came on the screen who's been on the show for 20 plus years. And I, generally know who she is but i couldn't place her name 
And on soap operas, the way that they orient new viewers to the shows is they say characters' names over and over and over again in every scene. And so the it's minute like for dementia patients, yes, the minute she walked in, they were like Phyllis, and I was like, "Yes, Phyllis." <laughs> and I was like, "This is why I could love watching these shows when I'm sick," is because like. It's like I'm a toddler. It's wonderful. This all reminds me because you weren't feeling well that you didn't go to the neighborhood block party. I did not. So oh. we used to have a block party. There was, I was, there was afraid I wouldn't remember who people were. There's an old couple that used to organize this block party for everybody in the neighborhood, all the side streets and stuff. And that's something about 10 years ago. And they moved on. Did they die? I don't remember. They got out they, of town. Well, one of them died. One of them died. The other one moved. Moved. Sold the house. So a bunch of other neighbors said, we're going to bring it back. So Rebecca was sick. So I went. And of course, I don't have COVID brain fog. I just have guy brain fog. And so. He doesn't know anyone's name. Yeah, I was. Rebecca came and said, like, who is there? And I was like, um, you know, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> and she says, do you mean Brian? And like, <laughs> there's no You mean there's no Brian? No. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. You said you said you said Jim. I'm like he moved two fucking years ago. He was not there, and you were like next yeah. door, and I was like Dave's, and you were like yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin didn't know our next door neighbor Evan's name for five years. No, I so I don't feel don't feel bad, Kevin, because I so I have like there's only like one young couple who lives in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm, they're yeah. renting. They don't even like they're they're only temporarily landing my neighborhood. And I stopped at the brass band concert the other night and I saw the girl and I was like, shit, that's my neighbor. And so I was like, hey. And she was all excited. She's like, I, I play the trombone. Like, how can I get in the brass band? I was like, I'll connect you with someone because I know someone. And then I said, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I don't know your name. <laughs> At least you fessed up. And, and she was like, it's okay. We only know you as Bricky because you used to have a vanity plate. Yes. Ah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So. Oh, well, it's not just you, Kevin. Yeah. So it's not just Kevin's solidarity, man. All right. Well, I feel like we've put this off long enough, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to it and talk about the thing that we've obviously been avoiding talking about, shall we? Do it. Should we drop that first clip now, Kevin? If we must. All right, leading off. As Elizabeth fled town, she was caught on CCTV without her precious son. The question everyone wants answered, where is baby Gabriel? No one has seen Gabriel Johnson since 2009 when his mother took the eight-month-old from her home in Arizona to Texas. In the middle of a custody dispute with her ex, Elizabeth Johnson told him she smothered the baby and threw his body in the garbage. What kind of person would tell their former boyfriend and the father of their child that they had killed the baby because of them. I mean, that's a level of cruelty that is off the charts. When she returned home, Elizabeth had a different story. She said she gave Gabriel up in a black market adoption in San Antonio, a transaction facilitated by a couple who'd been trying to adopt the child themselves. Was Tammy willing to do anything for a baby? No, no, I already, I already wouldn't buy a baby. I already wasn't ready to adopt Gabriel. The Peacock series, Where is Baby Gabriel, explores the theories around the child's disappearance. Was he murdered? Is he living with a new family? And what role did interloper Tammy Smith play in his fate? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Where is Baby Gabriel? So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Kevin, I think we should also mention 
that we are talking about the media around baby Gabriel here. So if we take a lighthearted tone about this very sad case, it is about the media and not the case itself around this very sad story. You mean story. the thing we're actually, we don't review the crime. Exactly. We review the documentary. Because this is an absurd documentary in many ways, right? It is. I mean, I think we should have a little discussion about our theories of the crime. But yes. I think we also have to talk about the Yes. And Which Toby, is what we always do. It's the thing that we do. Yes. But Toby, uh, your first comment about this is that it is, quote, dismal. What do you mean by that? Well, I didn't like it very much. I, you know, I <laughs> doesn't have a whole lot to recommend it, quite honestly. You know, it's just the people who they interview don't seem super insightful. There's not anybody that you can really like. I mean, they're trying to push the the father, I think, it's sort of like the likable guy. But I, I, I could be misremembering this, but I think there's at one point it's sort of alluded to the fact that he's got this kind of history. Yes. Uh, and so Judge that, told him to grow up for some reason. And he says, I cleared up all my legal issues and then, but we never know what those legal issues right. are. So yeah. it kind of seems like he's being sort of made into the good guy by omitting a bunch of shit. It's just, it's a slog. It doesn't feel like anybody has anything really to say other than to just kind right. of talk about it, except for the most ridiculous things. Like they keep showing this one newspaper news reporter who's like, I don't know what kind of person would tell their father, their baby that their baby's dead. I don't think anybody would do that. And then I realized, well, maybe she would. It's like, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, do we really have to get you to say this? Um, yes. And then, because you know, they don't have an answer, so they have to fill their space. So the whole thing, like, you're just you're just listening to these not very interesting people talk about this case that, you know, it doesn't seem that complicated, but I guess maybe maybe it is. Uh, but even like the the DA they talk to, he's got his theory. But it doesn't seem to fit the facts, and he's not willing to explain why he has that theory. So it's, I don't know, there's just nothing to hold on to. I know that it was hard to get somebody from Team Elizabeth. I don't think they were able to get anybody on cam, uh, so they have to go forward. But they went so much with what a great guy Logan is. It's like, I didn't know you could light up a room when you're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you going to create memories for when you're dead, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, jeez, Kevin. Uh, when, when, this, when this thing started, they went so hard in with the horrible hussy harlot psychopath that Elizabeth was, right? It was mm -hmm. insane. That I was like, this, Which could be true. Well, this is, well, later you find out some, so Elizabeth herself says some shit on tape where you're like, okay, she's not so great and clearly has a lot of issues, right? But they go so fucking hard with everyone being like, she's a monster. She was a horrible hussy. She hated her child. She's the worst. She was just insane. <laughs> It's like, Jesus Christ, like this is the most misogynistic bullshit thing I have ever seen in my life. He was still just, just a happy baby. And he lit up when he saw Logan. He didn't light up when he saw Elizabeth, but he would light up when Logan would come into the room. And then you have Logan who's just sitting there and he's like, well, you know, I just, you know, it was just real. It was just real crazy there. For a while. I'm just like... <laughs> 
<laughs> it was the best father ever. Okay. I I did not. I was like, this is not fair. <laughs> this, this is definitely not. No, not, it wasn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Laura, um, your first note is, this is super depressing and a bit of a slog for me at times. <laughs> so see, Toby, slog. The word slog has come up twice. I think there's nice. there's something to that. Yes. The challenge for me in this is that I was like, okay, Laura, just get behind this. This is going to be one of those traditional true crime documentaries. But based on the title, there's a question. You're hoping there's going to be mm. an answer. <sighs> and I think it became pretty apparent as we're going along that nobody really knows what happened. And it didn't feel to me like there was actually a credible theory put out there that I could latch on to or something where I felt like resolution. So I just felt frustrated. All this time has passed. Obviously, this poor baby has never been found. There's a couple things that could have made this interesting. Genetic genealogy saves the case. Mm. Okay, that would be an interesting story. How? Test it on what, though? Test it on I don't who? know. Somebody puts themselves, <laughs> I, I, like, say who? that he's alive. Who are you going to test? I, but it's too soon. It's too soon. I'm just saying. It's too soon. We're not going to have genetic genealogy for at least another six years until you know the kid's why? like 20. Because we don't know where baby Gabriel is. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I, I, The part that I think I found actually interesting in this was when we had, like, the B-roll footage over the hotel and the information about this hotel where these illegal adoptions take place. To me, that was really interesting that it was taking place on the scale that it was taking place and that it was so widespread and that so well known. That they say. Yeah, that, that they, they say. say. Well, it's like the hotel the in like Murder says. Mountain out in Humboldt County where everybody's dealing weed. Like we all know what's happening at that hotel. Do, 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 do. I would like to know more about the illegal adoption industry. I would like to know more about that. I think that's interesting. The rest of this, I was just like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. So, Kevin, what do you think about the fact that there's a web sleuth who's just an expert in this show? Web sleuth who is just that we'll is literally. Only use her first name. Yeah, that's yeah. Only, her only like credential miss me with that <laughs> i mean right just like the complete lack of credibility of i want to say everybody in this but as far as like a critical like why the fuck really i mean web sleuth should be in scare quotes because it's like what what is this person actually bringing it's almost embarrassing well the things that i looked up it's you know it just it, according to my latest Wikipedia search. Yeah, you know. Well, I don't know. I did a Google Maps, and like, here's the name of the street. There's no way that that particular park was just. Uh, oh, hey, there's a park, and I know this because I used to live close to there, and I used to take my own son there. And when I first moved to San Antonio, I didn't know that park existed. Um, but that park was planned. It's just not a park that anybody would know about. It's just not. I mean, I guess that's part of my feeling about web sleuthery in general and sort of the self-possessedness of some of the people that do it. Don't diss Becky Heath, though. She did solve the Bear Brook case. No, no, I I wouldn't, you know. (laughs) But she also uses her full name. She's also a librarian, yeah. yeah, She did actual research. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out why Jessica would not uh, use her full name. Is she uh, afraid that she's in danger or is it that she doesn't want so many people to know who she is because she's going to get inundated with requests requests or I don't want I don't want my coworkers to know I have this hobby or is it because her family is terribly ashamed of her <laughs> 
And my one question is, why do they keep interviewing people in motel rooms? The where, same motel. Well, it could be a different motel, but it's like there's the bed in the back. Like you sit on the edge of the bed and there's an ice machine behind you. And the little fucking map that shows, like, in case of a fire, go to, down the hallway to the left. <laughs> you know, They had a budget constraint, Kevin. Usually they get the, they rent like the conference room or something like that. And they move around and put a Or an Airbnb. Yeah. Like actual, with actual rooms in it. I don't know. The time I filmed for like investigation discovery, I was in like some weird Chinese restaurant on the side of hotel and they kept tripping the breakers because they had too many things plugged in. Oh Jesus. Yeah. I did one in the summertime. I had to keep turning the air conditioning off and it was it a was, nightmare. Oh my God. Anyway, Toby, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just, the only thing I could think about with that motel was whether they, there was actually a car that was up on blocks in the parking lot or whether they had brought that in there and set it up. visual. Toby loves the visuals in this They had They had tumble, they had literal tumbleweeds going across a road at one point. They have that shit where people are just like walking along the sidewalk. There's Logan. He's going for a walk. There he goes. Yeah. But you know, there's also Toby, a lot of like the B-roll didn't match what was going on at some points. Like they needed something because I think a lot of it was there. There's like the telephone call, which I hope we get into later with between Tammy and and Elizabeth. And so we have audio. So what are you going to do for visuals? And you know, it was like some guy taking out the trash or people at the drive through at at Wendy. It just was like the outside of a prison. Was it me? It, It was, it seemed like a lot of it didn't sync up to anything. Much like our business section. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, might as well go for it, Kevin. I guess, you know, as soon as I stopped, they said, oh, I got to think of a way to get into that. <laughs> Here you it's are. Almost bus- I looked at the time, it's business section time. Here you are. Oh, thank you, Toby, for the assist. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the business section here. Uh, so let's talk about what we got going on on Patreon. Yeah, let's do it. First of all, to join, as you know by now, hopefully, and you heard in the first three seconds of this episode, you go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. That's Rebecca and I. We're the partners in crime, and we have great stuff for you. If you uh, sign up now, you could get all new episodes of Crime Writers on Early and ad free. Also, we've got great behind-the-paywall exclusive only for you patrons podcasts, including the Crime Writers on After Show. And we have Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby just finished his discussion of The Stranger Beside Me. That's the end rule book about Ted Bundy. And Toby, everybody wants to know, what should they be reading on the beach this week so they can be caught up for the next deep dive? It's a book. It's called In the Mouth of the Wolf by Catherine Corcoran. And I've not started it yet, but I think it's about reporters in Mexico who were targeted by uh, drug cartels. So also we have uh, cool things like Leave It to Bricker, which in which Laura Bricker solves mysteries or at least mysteries to her in her quaint mm-hmm. AF town of Exeter, New Hampshire. Laura, you have promised us an epic new episode of Leave It to Bricker. What's going to happen? I Leave It to Bricker, in which I investigate how listeners of Crime Writers On in different time zones have become best friends thanks to Leave It to Bricker. You're not going to find out what happened to baby Gabriel? (laughs) For fuck's sakes, Laura. I thought you were a private investigator, for God's sake. Well, I I am, and I I have access. I have to tell you, I have access to these, like, really cool databases now, and I was, like, had some witnesses I had to find recently. I'm like, I'm never going to find them, and I punched in the names. I was like, oh. 
this is amazing. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like the power man, but yeah. I don't think I can find Gabriel. But, but Laura, Laura, I thought you were going to do some cattle rustling or something. Oh, you? that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So I've got two um, upcoming leave it to burgers in the works. Yes. In the month of August, I will be fulfilling my bucket list goal of rounding up cattle on horseback. Amazing. And how many cattle you might ask? It would be four. Hey, wow. I got it. <laughs> Toby went and rape, rock, paper, scissors, and pulled we, up the four. We don't four. think it's a herd of cattle. We think it might be called like a, a cattle quad? club. Like it's a, a squad. Club. It's a quartet. Yeah, yeah it's a squad. <laughs> it's a cowtet. Yeah, I recently met some, I, it's been, I, this woman I know knows this is something I've wanted to do, and she introduced me to this Western riding barn, and I was like, oh my God, can I round up the cattle? And they're looking at me, and I'm like, please, please, please. And they're like, Okay. So stay tuned. They said, I said, do I get to gallop? And they said, no, you have to start slow because the cattle can be sneaky. Mm. Just like so Tammy. I, All right. so, so which one comes first will be announced soon, but I have two leave it to Brickers I am investigating right now. All right. Well, I hope you had your tape recorder going when you're doing all that cattle rustling hmm. or herding or whatever. No, I'm getting is. a special outfit. That's really what oh. it's about, Kevin, is okay. I need a special outfit for my, my cattle roundup because I haven't done it yet. It will be happening on the first Sunday of August. All right. Well, you do that and then uh, you can write it off your taxes. Speaking of writing it off our taxes, uh, Rebecca and I do a uh, podcast right here in our house. Yes. It's called Married with Podcast. Yes. And we recently did a live episode. It helps us right off our whole house. The whole house. (laughs) (laughs) Laura came on. She talked about a little bit about her uh, new adventures on the dating apps. We also had a bunch of people who had relationship questions. And one of them was a, a woman who just got into a new relationship. And she wanted to know... How often and in what manner to engage with her new guy on social media? Should she be liking everything? Should she be say commenting? Something everything? Completely different. I was say? there. What? I thought you were gonna say like something totally gross, like something dirty. Yeah, like and how? I was like, I was there. I don't remember that. Put her mouth around the. No, come on now. <laughs> no, I just didn't. I don't remember. I was like, I don't remember those girls. Go ahead. No, that isn't no. what you. No, no, I don't. I just don't. Okay, keep going. You don't know what was happening at that. Uh, also, we have a new episode of These Are Their Stories out. It's the Law and Order podcast. We're covering the episode that starred Chevy Chase, and it was ripped from the headlines of the that Mel Gibson traffic stop where he was drunk and he said a bunch of anti-Semitic things, and so. In order to portray like a very unlikable person who's had a history of saying things that are problematic and getting pulled over for drunk driving. They picked Chevy Chase. They picked Chevy Chase. He's like, I can work with this. Action! (laughs) So it's Chevy Chase playing Mel Gibson playing Chevy Chase. Yeah. Yeah. If there has been an accident... Are you a Jew? You're a Jew, right? I should have known. They'd stick me in a room with a Jew cop. I'm not talking to a Jew. I know the law as good as any. Does he know he has a right to remain silent? I'm Mirandizing myself. And uh, just want to re- let you know that you can always sign up for our newsletter, crimewriterson.com. Put your email address there. We're going to shoot you on Thursday uh, the latest uh, newsletter, and it's got all sorts of cool stuff. Unless we take the week off to go to the beach. And then it'll be later than that. Yeah. Which we're doing. Which we're doing. All right. So, Kevin. Do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Did I remember to do that? You did it right. Yes. Our Patreon patron saints are Cheryl Horde and Paula Pryor. Cheryl, Paula. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you for supporting us. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks to everyone who doesn't. And thanks to everybody who listens to the business section, whether you support us or not. We really appreciate all of you. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out, Kevin. Is that all right? Do it. Back to the program. We need to talk about our friend, Tammy. Ah, Tammy. She's shady AF, right? Uh, yeah. Toby, Tammy, thoughts? Um, she's pretty weird. She seems like one of those people who probably should talk about a third as much as they do. Um, <laughs> not out of some misogynistic thing, but just I feel like the more she talks. <laughs> the, I can't believe you thought I would judge you for saying that. I would not judge you for saying that about Tammy, Toby. The more she talks, like I feel like the more trouble she gets herself into. It seemed like she just wanted to throw him at us. Like she couldn't get rid of him fast enough. I made sure that we had that paperwork signed. I made her um, go with us to the bank and notarize it because I'm a mother and I don't know how any mom can just hand over their baby and just say goodbye, <laughs> you know? So I wasn't I wasn't going to take my chances with her. <laughs> I think what's sort of incontrovertible is that she was trying to get baby Gabriel and mm-hmm. she was using super sketchy means in order to do that, trying to cut Logan out of the situation so he couldn't get him and then, you know, putting pressure on Elizabeth to do it. Yeah, I mean, she's a difficult, I mean, she's what makes this whole thing go, right? I mean, if she hadn't been there, like none of this stuff, I mean, I'm not sure that Gabriel would have been any better off, but it feels as though all the things that Elizabeth does, they all sort of stem from Tammy trying to get Gabriel. And I guess we'll talk about what our thoughts are of what might have happened later. But yeah, I mean, she seems like a sketchy character. I don't know why they didn't get. The, I don't know why her husband didn't come on the show because he know when to shut the fuck up. I get the impression that they might not be together anymore. Yeah, that was kind of my thought, but who knows, right? Right. I mean, I'm surprised because the journalistic rigor which went into this documentary was such. I thought they would have explained where <laughs> he was. But Tammy herself, she's like dollar store Cruella Deville, right? She's just like this low class discount Cruella. Discount Cruella, like oh, mm, I was thinking, you know, I have the baby. Oh, you know, she, she's just so fucking weird. <laughs> discount right? Cruella Deville. That's a really descriptive. It is. Yeah, it is. Wow. Minus the Dalmatians. Minus the, I mean, it's like the baby. Like I have your baby. What did you make, Lara, of the jailhouse phone call between Elizabeth and Tammy? Because I couldn't tell who was bullshitting who. I'm going to be completely oh, fucking can't? honest with you. Well, no, because they're both full of complete fucking no, shit. I think I think listening to it and gosh, I mean, I've had to listen to some jailhouse calls in my time. It's always fun when they're having romantic interludes, but <laughs> um, this one. I hate to say it, but I feel like Tammy sounded more believable than Elizabeth. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I can't hide all of this anymore, your involvement in this and all the plans you made, and you're completely denying everything and saying you weren't Wait, involved. wait, what plans did I make? What are you talking about? Set it all up. They were your friends. No, they weren't. Yes. Then who are they? Then what's their names if they're my friends? I don't know. You set it all up in San Antonio. I just love any time that we have jailhouse calls, because here's the thing. You know you're being fucking recorded. They have a thing when you come on, and this call is being recorded. Like, well, wasn't Elizabeth kn- working with the cops to try to get Tammy to confess shit? Wasn't that part of the situation? Yeah, I also kind of got the impression that this wasn't from jail because it sounds like it, the, the recording is being oh, okay. happened. I, I don't know this. 
But, but I, that was have, my impression. I feel like it was, when we were listening to it, I feel like I thought I saw the jail in the background, but maybe I'm blanking well, it out. Well, that's the it fucking was, issue, right? <laughs> like, I feel like that the jail was in the background. So it was like that time that we had that show we were watching and they were having like the flashlight tag messages to the guy in jail. And we're like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? When the guy was outside. Keith so I assume yeah. if I see a picture of a jail, but that's, but anyway, either way, the conversation, Tammy, unfortunately sounded more believable. Well, yeah. it's because Elizabeth was just saying, you know what that, you know what you did. You know what you did. You know what, you know what sure you did. did. Come she, on, Tammy. She, just trying to get her to say something that she obviously doesn't know what she's supposed to say. It's classic gaslighting. Yeah, yeah. We exactly. talked about that. I kind of felt like the only way to save this entire thing would have been to start with that and just mm. have it be completely confusing and then be like, how do you make sense of this conversation and then work your way back? So there'd be some like sort of mystery and you're kind of like, who are these people? What's the relationship? Whatever. Because otherwise it's just kind of sad and the people are sad and it's just, there's just, I, I, when it was over, I was like, what am I supposed to think about this? Like, why did I watch this? Because well, we made you watch it. And why it. was it four parts? <laughs> or whatever, however long it was. Was it three parts? It was four three parts. parts but yeah. It felt eternal. Uh, yeah, it was like, I think it was those three parts were longer than the Lord I, of the Rings trilogy, right? The, the other thing that I found really confusing was, I think there were two Australian detectives who came. <laughs> I think there At was At least one, that. yeah. I was mesmerized by that part. I was like, so there's not enough business in the entire country of Australia? I think there was one, but he was shot at two different points, so he looked very different the two times they but shot I, but him. But I thought, was- like, one time the the attorney general was like, yeah, well, what he said was bullshit, and we told him we didn't want him around anymore, so he left, and they show him leaving. And then they have this other guy who seems like he, like, has actually done some work. I mean, I He's like the one person who's sort of supporting Elizabeth, I guess. Um, and I was like, is that the same guy or is that a different? Do they have two different Australian detectives come over to San Antonio to try and figure this out? And if it was just one guy, why didn't they like make that clear? Because then I think the attorney general's like, well, it looks, sounded like he dug up some stuff. And it, it was like, all right. I don't know. The well, whole thing. It, I mean, it's not it a big deal, but it's just. It's just sort of indicative of the thing that they weren't like, well, we went over there and we talked to this guy you just saw in the in the shot. Or remarkably, there were two Australian detectives. <laughs> but I just wasn't sure what the hell was going on. It doesn't help that the whole thing is told out of sequence over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, tell me, I, I didn't get your uh, thoughts on the private detective who was credited as being Gabriel Johnson's private detective. I'm like, Gabriel hired a private investigator. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, well, I think I think there are some structural problems, like with the storytelling. Missing I, baby hired. Yeah, th- to yeah, be clear, exactly. Yeah. His own private investigator. Find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. I mean, quite seriously, I don't think there are any beats through the thoughts that it, it, when it just goes, it's like a run-on sentence, right? The, there are no sort of pauses that organize different time periods or whatnot. And then they'll say something like, yeah, well, at Tammy's trial. And you're like, what well, fucking, who's Tammy? Wait, or why did Tammy, why Tammy on trial? Or there'd be like a B-roll of her in handcuffs. And you're like, wait a minute, the woman with the shirt, that's her. Like it was just and really. She looked so different at the time of her trial. And yeah, now. it was unclear. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden we're on a bus going to San Antonio. It just, it was, it was very hard to follow. I mean, in addition to these points that you're making about, well, who is this and who is that? I don't know how. But apparently everybody else figures out how to tell the story in different acts and that it just seemed like 
the whole thing was just one long rant about who lit up a room and who is horrible. And I, I smothered him till he turned blue. This is the one thing that struck me. Logan recorded all these phone calls with Elizabeth, right? Which, by the way, I'm not saying that Elizabeth wasn't clearly extremely troubled. Clearly, Elizabeth was extremely troubled during this period in her life. And uh, I don't know. I can't speak to where she is now or what she's doing now. Clearly, she's out and she's married and whatever. But he's taping their phone calls. And she's saying some obviously disturbing things on their phone calls. And she's obviously extremely troubled. I find his behavior on the phone calls also to be kind of troubling. And that's also not addressed. It's like he's just gathering like information about her. And there's at one point in the phone calls where she's telling him that she murdered their baby. Right. And he's just like, why would you do that? Something you can kiss my ass and um, you're not going to find his dead little blue body until I'm on a plane leaving the country. It just feels like this um, constant evidentiary gathering, like this kind of thing happens all the time. He's just trying to get evidence, continue to gather evidence in a court case against him that retrospectively is being used to sort of like prove facts that aren't actually an evidence to like put together this narrative and this television show. It was it was weird, right? Yeah, well, and I think you see this a lot in cases where you have like, I don't want to say this isn't like child, but it, it's a domestic this, dispute in, child, in many yeah, ways. Domestic yeah. cases. And, and I, and, and what she was eventually convicted of was like interference with child custody. Not, um, so you, you see some really bizarre things happen in those kind of cases where the people on both sides get so entrenched in their particular version of what they think happened and their desire to advance the case to their side that they start to do things that they think are going to be helpful to their case, but that aren't necessarily helpful from a legal standpoint, if that makes sense. Yeah. Just because they get so mired in this sort of custody case psychosis of like the way that they're thinking of what's happening. And I think that these phone calls were a really good example. Like they're going to prove something, not like yeah, I'm going to call yeah. the police fucking immediately because no, my- it's, it's like, I'm going to call freaking Jared from subway and make him like talk about a bunch of shit that now is not admissible because I've been wiretapping, but people get into really strange mindsets when they get into something like this. And you see behavior that you normally wouldn't see because they are triggered and they are frustrated and they start doing things that just don't make sense. So yeah, absolutely, Rebecca. Yeah. That's what struck me. And, and Toby, they're always trying to find that the people who made the show are trying to find logic in like completely absurd situations. Yeah. I don't, you know, they spend a lot of time talking about how irrational she is and she's crazy and stuff. And then it's like, well, why would she do this? It would make no sense for, for her to drive all the way to San Antonio. If she was leaving from Arizona to San Antonio and she was going to kill her baby, she would have killed him right off the bat if he was screaming. Mm. It's like, wh- what are you even talking about? Like, what? It just you just said she was crazy. Right. Of course. Like that's the whole thing. If you're crazy, you're not like following following logical patterns. So anyway, I mean it's just, you know, it, it's sort of part and parcel with the whole rest of it, I think. It's just not not very well thought out. They're just trying to make her look as 
bad as possible and then being both crazy and then logic would dictate that she would have done this or whatever. So I, you know, whatever I, at that point, <laughs> it's just like it, the, like, like, like right. the, the whole, ring story, the whole they're, they're quality of it is just the so, ring story. yeah, there's yeah. A, the ring I story. I traded my baby for a ring, but why a they, big red ruby ring. <laughs> like, it seems like that like, wouldn't be that hard to find out if no. Tammy actually yeah. owned a ring that was worth $20,000. Right. You know, how a ring that? like that also is like, it's not necessarily untraceable either. Right. And they, you know, probably had insurance on it or something. I mean, why who knows? That? See, you're right. They're talking about she's, you know. Uh, irrational and and all this other stuff, but she has the wherewithal to have this great cover plan. She's leaving to go to San Antonio specifically for a black market adoption. And the fact that she gets there is the first thing she does to cover her tracks is she lets everybody know the baby's dead. So don't look for him. I killed him. And then realizes later, maybe that wasn't a great cover story. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell the truth, which is that, no, I just gave him away for adoption. And I think that that's fucking nuts. And that everybody here is like on an episode of Ancient Aliens trying to push a fucking theory that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know what the proof is, Kevin? What? She ordered so many pizzas. Get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> she ordered, why would she have ordered so many pizzas if it was just her in the room, Kevin? God, fuck. She doesn't like, she only likes cheese. What I the hell was it, it? If it was all cheese pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> Pineapple on a pizza but, murderer. But on the other hand, she's, quote, crazy. So she can't operate by any logic at all. But she would only ever order cheese pizza. The problem with it is that the only person, the only voice we get for what is the simplest explanation is the cop. Who interviewed her when she was on heavy drugs. Well, no, no, no. Heavy medication. No, I mean, we have the the assistant, the guy who was the detective and now he's the assistant chief in San Antonio. He's constrained by what he can say, but he's not pushing this idea like everybody else seems to be that the baby's still alive and he just got sold for a ring and a bunch of magic beans uh, to Corella DeVille. <laughs> and they just vanished. You know, it just is just this the simplest thing. She went and she killed the baby. That's I mean, that's my theory of the crime. Probably. Probably. I don't know. I don't I don't have a theory. I think we have a better chance of finding out what happened to Maura Murray than we do of finding out what happened to baby Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. There's no ruby ring involved in the Maura Murray case, though. But it'd be good. But I mean, wouldn't it be great now? Basically, all you can do is you could kill somebody and then get rid of the body and say, no, actually, I didn't kill them. I just helped them move on to a new life. They're now living a whole new life in Canada. They went to a farm upstate. They went to a farm upstate. That's where they are now. Yeah. And everybody says, oh, okay, well, we can't prove they're dead. So we'll have to go with your story that they moved with a new secret identity. What does it tell you that we're talking this way about a piece of media about a lost or dead child? Like that they didn't set it up. Correctly? It's really no. sad. I mean, it's sad, right? This isn't even a fictional dead child. This is a real mm. missing or dead child. And this is so poorly done. And we're going to hell anyway. So <laughs> it's horrible. It's just horrible. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out what happened to baby Gabriel on Peacock? Laura Ooh, Bricker, the suspense. What do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for what happened to baby Gabriel? Oh, I mean, you guys know. I I'm already writing it. it down. I just loved this. Um, this is a big thumbs down. I'm sorry. I I watched this all in one day and I just sat there and I was like, it was just a slog. And I felt like you were saying just now, Rebecca, 
this is a story that's really sad and it's about this baby and it's a horrible case, but because of the way it was set up, I just felt such irritation for the storytelling that I didn't connect with that part of the story, which is really what this documentary was supposed to be about. So um, it was just, it was a thumbs down. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for what happened to baby Gabriel? Um, this is awful. Uh, I'll give it a thumbs down. You know, when it was over, I was like, why did they make this? I mean, the people who are in it to provide commentary aren't very interesting. There's no real insight. You know, there's nobody that you're really like in their corner for. I mean, they, they really try and manipulate you into being taking this one person as like the, the sort of good guy in the situation, but there's just like enough hints that he's not what they're making him out to be, that it's, it's hard. Um, the first episode is just a huge pile on. So I, it's just, there's nothing to recommend it quite honestly. Like I can't point to anything and say, well, you know, everything else was bad, but this part was good. It's like, there was nothing good. Um, so all that being said, I am a huge thumbs down. Do not waste your time. Uh, I kind of wish we'd just done like seven consecutive business sections on this, uh, <laughs> on this podcast probably would have been better. Kevin Flynn. Uh, yeah, I'm with you guys. Thumbs down on this. I think essentially this was supposed to be a true crime investigation and it really was more like a conspiracy theory that was just pushed by everybody, we sometimes have these documentaries that feature unreliable narrators, and I feel like we have unreliable narration. I can't take seriously what is being put for. I won't say the documentarians, but I think the production itself, by the people it selects to, to feature and the things that they have, there's a couple of really shady characters in here that are kind of like, wow, and that in another situation might have been a little more intriguing, but I just was just yelling at the TV. I couldn't follow along what was happening because of the way they structured stuff. They make reference to things out of the timeline that just they're suddenly like, wow, what? That hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. Who's that? Pro- I'm supposed to know them. Do we know him? We don't know him. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so it just, I think it was a big old mess. So thumbs down. Yeah. I knew this was going to be a thumbs down when I heard the title. <laughs> Jesus. What happened to baby Gabriel? I mean, what just what happened to Gabriel? Why do they have to say baby Gabriel? There's a picture of a baby on the cover of the thing, right? Like, okay, so that was clue number one. This was going to be really bad. Clue number two was right at the beginning when a news reporter says something like, it's really, really bad when something bad happens to a baby. <laughs> it's the worst kind of story. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Here we are in a story in which that is considered to be like elucidating commentary, right? This is bad. This is bad, 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 bad. The only parts that are good are watching Tammy's crazy eyes look into the camera. <laughs> and I'm not a person who likes to use the word use the word crazy loosely, but those are some crazy damn eyes. Mm. Um, yeah, this is bad. It's really bad. And it's a story that's very, very sad. And we should be like be more circumspect and sad about it, but I can't even be sad about it because this thing was made so poorly. Yeah, it goes in the pantheon of bad things that we've watched, and I do not recommend it. Huge thumbs down for me for what happened to Gabriel, a.k.a. what happened to baby Gabriel. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. The crime of the week. 
British singer who made headlines after she married a ghost says she's getting a divorce. He lit up her room. <laughs> Bricardi says she fell in love with Eduardo, the ghost of a Victorian soldier, when he burst into her bedroom one dark and stormy night. Wearing a black wedding dress, she married the apparition in a Halloween ceremony. That's when things started going south. She says on their honeymoon, Eduardo repeatedly got drunk and became very possessive. Mm. Bricardi says her spirit spouse had an unhealthy fascination with Marilyn and Monroe. She claims Marilyn's ghost was at her wedding, and Eduardo has often returned home smelling of Chanel Number no. 5. Bricardi says she's not hiring a lawyer to dissolve the marriage. She's going to return to the church and perform an exorcism. Oh. Panel, they said they'd never last, and they were right. What can Eduardo do to save his marriage? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Um, He could put on some, like, polo cologne instead. <laughs> I don't know. Like, change it up. I mean, yeah, the Maryland thing's got to end. Toby Ball, what do you think Eduardo could do to save his marriage? It's just put the seat back down on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? Got to try to get it in. Oh. Because oh. it's just an apparition. That's it's true. Like, find that G spot. He's got to consummate this relationship. He's got to, yeah. <laughs> but he right. lit up a room. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't light up her. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, one more piece of business. Do we have a cat of the week this week? Uh, we have a dog of the week this week. Hold Yay, on, my me... favorite animal. I know, I know. But this is one, I know you don't like these ones, but so Michelle no, Womble. No, I know. a dead animal. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I, what, so. Whatever happened to Michelle's dog? <laughs> nothing. Well, it's, it's died. So Stuart <laughs> also, it's another it's Stuart, I'm man. sorry. Michelle Michelle Womble, she lives down in Florida on the Space Coast. She and I became great texting buddies one time when I was on a trip down there. She was giving me all the local information. So I was really sad. So, yeah, one time, Cat of the Week, Stuart. So he's been a Cat of the Week. He crossed the Rainbow Bridge. Boo. He loved a good bark box and an occasional sonic blast. And there is a hysterical picture of him with his face in the Sonic Cup. I mean, he more than loved it. So I'm sorry, Michelle. I'm sorry, too. I'm sorry. Sonic is going to lose like their number one um, customer now. That sucks. Bye, Stuart. Boo. Boo. Okay, All send right. me some non-dead animals next week, Please, people. Laura Bricker. Folks want to reach out to you with their non-dead animals uh, to be cat of the week. How can they find you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. Tell you about what about you? How can you be found? At Toby Ball NH on Twitter and at Toby Ball 603 on threads. People can tell you where the alien bodies are, are buried. Uh, what about you, Kevin Flynn? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. I'm, I think it's X now. I don't know. I didn't, I, it wasn't my it's idea. It's fucking Twitter. And if you want to follow me everywhere on social media, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On and everywhere else at Crime Writers On. And please join our amazing community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page. Just go there and join the group by the pinned post. Get episodes early and ad-free at Patreon slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Lara Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett. 
The executive producer of this program is Nurse Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we also mastermind shady adoption deals to take place in public parks in exchange for very ugly jewelry. Or do we? <laughs> On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. But what happened to baby Gabriel? I started off caring, and by the end, I didn't give a shit. Yeah.